it, it is nice having that this meeting is being recorded. It feels like we're in class a little bit. Yeah, but the thing is, in class, it booms over the last. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you, every, I it spooks me every time. Yeah, I, I always stand up out of my chair. All right, we'll get started here. Uh, episode twenty-four of J Talk today. We have on Davis Sunderland. Uh, Davis is a familiar face around Creighton's campus. You might have seen him as the host of Marble Wars, which we will talk about a little bit today. Uh, but also we'll get into some old time segments that we had going on last year. And then maybe uh, a little bit of Masters talk, which is coming up this week. I think we're going to post this after the Masters, though. So maybe you can see just, you know, what our predictions look like afterwards. All right, Davis, thanks for coming on, man. Good stuff. Tiger Blake, guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to dive into some topics. Love to talk about Marble Wars. It's been an awesome experience. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, right right from the get-go, I want to talk about Marble Wars because it's been something where I have heard multiple people come up to me and talk to me and be like, what is Marble Wars? So can you just answer that question? Yes, absolutely. So Marble Wars, this was an idea that came out of the mind of – our director, Mason, Mason Harmon, he's the director of the show. And he came up with this idea to kind of bring together people over the idea of student giving and this, this idea of student philanthropy and truly just unite people over something that's kind of fun, kind of comical, a way to make an impact at the same time, have a little fun with it in such a weird season of life. I mean, obviously you guys and everybody listening knows that nothing about this semester has been normal and odds are it won't be next semester either. So Marble Wars. That's tough was to hear. That's tough to hear. It is. Yeah. It really is. So it, it, it was just this idea to kind of have a game show or something similar to a game show where anybody who was willing to participate by making a $10 gift to support Creighton, the student scholarship fund is exactly what it goes to in different causes on campus. I mean, that, that's a pretty versatile term, I guess. But you make a gift, you get on the show, you get featured on our Instagram, you get entered in this race of marbles, which is all, I mean, it's, it's random chance. It's just we rearrange the board with different shapes and different rubber bands on a Plinko type board, drop the marbles from the top and it's a race to the bottom. And the last person to reach the bottom is eliminated. You go round after round after round, last person standing wins. And then you win an episode. If you get selected or if you are one of the finalists from each episode, there's a winner's episode at the end of the season. That's going to be airing actually coming up soon on November 22nd. So look forward to that where all the winners will compete one last time. And the winner of that will receive an Apple Watch. And it's actually kind of, kind of a fun giveaway. And, of course, winning each heat and each episode along the way, you can also win smaller prizes. There are different ways to earn, like, ornaments and just different giveaways that we've been doing. I think water bottles are in the prizes. But it's it's such a cool idea. And it's something that I've been really blessed to be a part of. I mean, like you had mentioned, my face just being on it. It's, it's a really fun project, and it's a really cool way to meet some new people and just kind of give back to a cause that I'm so passionate about. I mean, student giving is something that I totally kind of turned my nose away from when I first was a freshman, but I've learned the importance of it. And I've learned so many just important statistics about how it impacts my experience that I have so enjoyed here at Creighton. So to be honest, I probably even shouldn't say this, but we actually just in these last couple weeks, days, very recently have announced that we're going to be doing a season two of Marble Wars next semester. Oh, shoot. Is that breaking news on the pod? Day Talk uh, Live exclusive. Day Talk <laughs> Live exclusive. Run it back. It, it may be. And we actually are doing some really cool things. We are trying to do some partnerships with different groups on campus and have themed episodes. And of course, I probably shouldn't divulge too much, but we're hoping to have like 
a tropical takeover episode in partnership with the Hawaii club and just get maybe like a Mathletes versus athletes episode and try and pull people from different athletics organizations. And I mean, a great idea would be bring in two beautiful sophomore going to be junior announcers. I don't know who those two would be, but like (laughs) that satisfies that. I tell you what, if you send those two handsome guys, I mean, I'm assuming they're handsome. I don't know exactly (laughs) who they are yet, but you send them my way. You send them with 10 bucks a piece and you know, they're going to be on Marvel Wars, which is super exciting. So, so all of the money that gets raised is through entering, it, like the fee to enter? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's not so much a fee. I mean, you're not really paying yeah. us or anything like that. But, yeah, it's it's a donation or a, a, a gift from students going back to students. All of it goes back yeah, to students. It's like donations. a 50-50 raffle. It's yeah, like, I, yeah. In a way. I mean, it doesn't go exactly to the students' pockets, but it goes to this Creighton Student Leadership Fund or different needs on campus, sometimes the arts and sciences projects, sometimes the business nursing. I mean, you name it. There are all kinds of things that this goes to. And it's really, really a cool way, like I mentioned, just to kind of unite kids around a cause that actually makes a difference. I mean, it truly is a cool way to get involved in that way. And obviously, I mean, Marvel Wars is fun. It's fun to go on (laughs) and see these episodes. And as a commentator, I have such a good time too, working with our production team. I mean, I had mentioned my director, Mason Harmon. He's incredible. And then we've got our our marble lady, Sophia Cannavashini. She's the lady who uh, pulls up the stopper, if you will. Yeah. Right before the I've seen her. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. And then we've actually, we've got two camera people, Gabe Brennan and Margie Wething. No idea if you're familiar with them, but they're both incredible. And we've got multiple different camera angles set up to get the best glimpse of all the shots. We've got slow motion replay. Let's it, go. It's awesome. Like we've really got, <laughs> we've got some good stuff going into production. It, it truly is. It's a great experience. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it seems like your production level of, uh, Marble Wars is about a hundred times yeah, higher I mean, that than what we have at J Talk. <laughs> Our J Talk production. And we're on year two. We're on year two. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, man, you guys are doing just fine. Don't you worry. But yeah, Davis, other than that, some other things. Uh, I mean, I talked about a familiar face on campus, especially for sophomores. Uh, even though you're a junior, last year you worked the front desk at Swanson Hall. Do you have any good stories from that? I did indeed. Yeah. So working the front desk, it was really cool because I met a ton of people and obviously Swanson freshmen and sophomores, both. I had a handful of friends that were, were sophomores that I knew, but working as a sophomore in a freshman dorm, a partially freshman dorm, I got to meet a ton of people. Yeah. Davis, you're from uh, ND, right? I am With, indeed. Uh, Jack and Ethan Olson. Jack and Ethan Olson. Yes, okay. Yeah. 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 home. Fargo, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, working at the desk, and Jack and Ethan were residents, so I saw them a lot, but maybe my favorite story, right? So this poor girl, bless her heart, she came back one night, and it, it was a Friday. I, I usually worked the shift from midnight, so technically Saturday morning, midnight Saturday morning until 6 a.m., which is – it's a pretty late graveyard. I mean, a six-hour shift at that time is never never easy. It's It really throws off the sleep schedule. But there was – I mean, it was always fun. I got some good stories out of it, and the one that I always remember is this poor girl, she, she was coming in and it was one of the first weekends of school, maybe the second weekend, I think. And of course, I don't know where she was or what she had been up to, but I mean, one, one can surmise. And so she comes in and she struggles a little bit with the door, comes up to me. And of course you got to hand your ID card to the desk receptionist to get in. Yeah. Right. So she hands me her driver's license and <laughs> And I look at it and I say, you know what? I, I just don't think that's it. I'm so sorry, but do you, do you have your ID on you? <laughs> and of course she says, what do you mean? That is my ID. 
and, and it took her a second and then I handed it back to her and she just kind of confused and then she figured it out after a couple seconds but then she went up and I just kind of oh man it, it was oh, some of the best stories I've heard is that uh I mean rumor has it some people on this campus buy fake IDs like false identifications to get into yep. the bars or something yep um People hand those to the uh, desk receptionist before. <laughs> I did not experience <laughs> any of that, but, Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like when you work the front desk, especially the graveyard shift, it's going to be – you're going to get characters. And not even if you work the fr- Saturday morning one. There's got to be some freaks at the Tuesday morning graveyard shift. <laughs> That's where the freaks have to come out. Because who's, who's out at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, 4 a.m. on a Wednesday morning? They're not – Study. I can tell you that. Oh my gosh, that is too good. <laughs> that would be a different beast. Um, it, it was funny too. At the very at the start of the my employment there, right, we had a, a team meeting on. Gosh, I don't even school had started yet. And they said, "All right, let's get the permanent schedule ironed out for the whole year." And I'm very much a guy who likes to go to bed early, get up early. Mm-hmm. I love to study at the same time. So love to just keep my routines. And I really just with 8 a.m. classes every day, I did not want to try and do graveyards the night before an 8 a.m. because I'd like to get as much sleep as I could, right? So in my you mind- You did that the night before an 8 a.m.? No, I did not. Oh, okay, not. okay. Yeah, that's where I'm going with that, right? Because I didn't <laughs> want to do that. And so every in my mind, going into this meeting, I'm thinking, gosh, I would hate to have an 8 a.m. during the week. I know I'm not going to have anything super early Saturday mornings. Maybe if I'm lucky, nobody else will be thinking the same thing and I'll get the, the Friday night, right? So we go into this meeting and- the, the boss or our supervisor, Gabby Lamberty was her name. Wonderful, wonderful boss. She, uh, she was asking, she's like, all right, guys. So uh, I know it's typically not everyone's favorite, but is there any chance somebody would be interested in doing the Friday night graveyard shift? Because if not, we're just going to have to rotate. And I raised my hand and I said, are you saying that because everybody wants it and you have to like fairly distribute it or because nobody <laughs> wants it? And, and she looks at me joke and she's like, you're joking, right? I mean, nobody would ever want that shift. And I said, Oh my gosh, give me that shift. I'll take it all year. So, so I did. And literally everybody in the meeting started clapping right away. It was awesome. Truly. truly, What was the uh, pay like for that? If you don't mind us asking. It it was, um, I don't know exactly if I'm supposed to divulge it or or not, but it was, it was, um, not minimum. I think, no, it was not. It was not. Okay. It was awesome because that's I mean, all I need to know. That's all. Yeah, I need yeah. There you go. I mean, hey, I know people, man. It's like it's just like a homework call, right? You just can do homework. I mean, you can watch movies. You can do whatever you want. Uh, to some extent, there, there's a little bit of that. Of course, you got to be attentive to what's going on yeah. around you. Sometimes, like I remember one time there was a pipe that burst, and we had probably an inch standing water on the first floor of Swanson. Oh and, no! Uh, oh goodness! I think it was Father Ross's room that got absolutely flooded, and so it, this was at five in the morning on a Tuesday. And I'd called the, the ARD on duty or whatever on call. And he comes over and I'm like, hey, I don't know how to handle this. Always be prepared for anything that could happen. Yeah, I think we should work into one of our one of our segments. We, have, yeah, we I mean, haven't segments in a while. And we have not. We've, there's, we've always talked about beef of the week as in we never want to start with it because it's negative and we're not negative guys. So we'll do dream of the week. Um Oh, dream of the week. I don't know if I prep for dream of the week. I'll be honest. I don't know if I told Davis to. Do you have one, Blake? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Okay, it's you, more, you do more, it, and then we'll get into the other ones. More you, of a, hit it. you hit it, Blake. It's all you. It's more of a story about the whole process. So so I get off my 9.30, 10.45, and I go back to my room. 
And I, I hop in bed at about 11.15 and I have a 12.30. I'm waking up for at 12. And then uh, Cole Sheridan, my roommate, has a lot of the same schedules I do. So he also goes to bed and wakes up. And um, so I wake up and I just had the weirdest, most like lucid. It's like those dreams where you're not fully asleep. Like you could wake yourself up any moment. And they're all so real. I think I was like walking down the mall and Father Henderson was there. And like my freshman year philosophy teacher was there. And like just the dream didn't matter. But I walk, my alarm rings. I hop out of bed. I walk out of my room. I walk out. Cole lives on the right side of me. He walks out at the same time. We lock eyes and we both say, same time. Honestly, guys, dude, I just had the weirdest dream. Uh, it was just, it was electric. Yeah, and we, yeah, we were on the same page with our dreams. And I don't know if you guys know, like, what I'm talking about, those type of dreams, but they're insane. Oh, the, yeah. 35-minute nap dreams. Just, oh, I've definitely had some of those. And it's it's funny you mentioned that, Blake. Last night, I made the terrible mistake of leaving my window open when I went to bed. And I don't know what it got down to. Maybe 25 degrees last night. It was, it was cold. <laughs> So middle of the night, I mean, of course, when it's cold, that's when I sleep best. And I got into mm -hmm. just this super deep sleep and I started like tossing and turning around maybe five this morning and I woke up to go shut the window and I realized, wait, I was just having some weird dreams, right? So I went back to sleep, got another hour, maybe hour and a half and it started coming back to me again and darn it, I couldn't tell you a single thing about it, but I just remember, oh my gosh, it was just weird. And yeah. I always, it's, it's a temperature thing. It really and is. And it feels like, yeah, because I sleep with my window for days. But, and you're only asleep for, like you said, hour and a half, mine like 35 minutes. Like, seems like I literally was lost. It was inception, it seemed like. I mean. Yeah, but is there anything better? Is there anything no, better? No, there's not. There's not. There's not. There's not. You get into that REM sleep and, oh, man, anything goes. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. This has been a pretty big point of discussion uh, within the roommates lately. But I think if I had to pick an ideal temperature to sleep in, I might go 58, 59. Oh, yeah, I'd go freezing. The, the, worst, the worst is uh, – so I love sleeping in the cold. Like, I sweat a ton when I sleep, so if it's hot at all, it's just restless sleep for me. But <laughs> – when it's cold, it's like there's a certain point where you get two blankets and you're just like set. There's also, but then if it gets cold enough in the night, there's a point where no matter how warm the blanket is, no matter how fluffy, soft, whatever, it doesn't connect to your body. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> or like, it seems like your body and the blanket are two separate entities, which I mean, they are, but when you're sleeping, it should be all one. And it's like, oh, it's, it, there's a point where coldness comes and it's so bad, but there's always that sweet spot that I like. I don't know. I had I hit earlier this week, back when it was probably in the it was in the fifties outside, probably waking up. You hear the birds chirping, you hear the construction noises. You just wake up and it's just natural. It's really natural to wake up to a jackhammer. I believe oh. that. <laughs> I, think, I think that's there's something beautiful about that as a as a man, you know, you just boom, jackhammer sounds, fifty degrees, you're all bundled up. Oh. It's the pinnacle. I um this weekend I woke up on one of my buddies' couches, room next to me, and they in Davis they have the room right, I mean right behind the the huge dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> so I woke up. Oh. I woke up uh, Saturday morning to this rocket ship taking off, and like I thought it was like a Tom and Jerry skit where they throw a piano on top of Tom. 
because it was so loud and it was crashing and i was like classic what (laughs) and it was it was like probably the rudest awakening i've ever had it was gross it was horrible but on that i mean on that jackhammer yeah we'll move into uh (laughs) the first of our planned segments let me check what did i even send we did quote of the week right no quote of the week we're doing quote of the week. You I have plan for dream of the week. We'll do quote of the week. Davis, I, have a do you have one? I have a good one. I've got a good one too. Yeah, Blake, I'll just kick things off. So I actually, I'm a big, I'm avid. Fantasy football is just huge for me right now. And I'm in a group chat with a bunch of fraternity brothers, beta, theta, pi, absolutely incredible dudes. And we've got a 20 person league. So, oh, wow. So there's some bad people on each team. Oh yeah. yeah. It's you, might have, you might have Nick Foles uh, on a couple of rosters. Yeah. That's where you have to know your – you got to know your players. You you really do. It's unbelievable. And my team, I mean, I've been working some trades. I've been having some fortunate breaks, some unfortunate breaks. But anyway, what, what I bring this up is in this group chat, talking to the people, right, we were talking about doing some trades and this concept of trading players in or, with somebody who's on a buy and then trading them back the week after so you can help out a friend, quote, unquote, mm. for the buy week. And I – I don't want to divulge into the football ethics of that, if you will. But <laughs> there was somebody who had made the quote, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it's yours. Referring <laughs> to trading a player. And, I, and you know That's what? Nice. That stuck with me. And I thought, dang, that is one way to look at trading a fantasy football player. So, so are, you, are you pro that transaction? I truly am not. I, honestly, okay. I, I, I think trade should be final. Trade should be done. I just see too many guys. I mean – when you open up that can of worms, you're opening up the possibility of two people who are in the league that are, they're just, they're closer with each other than maybe the rest of the league. And I don't think in fantasy football, you should be rewarded or punished for how close of friends you are with people. in the league. <laughs> I, yeah. Really, it's I don't, a beautiful I mean, stage of equity. Well, so, I, listen, Davis, I, I know you'll hate me because my ethics of fantasy football are not great right now because I want a, a five game losing streak. Start off three and one. Now I'm three and six or whatever, That's whatever. It is. And um, so the whole goal, obviously, in every league, doesn't. It's great to win first. It's great to make some money, but you don't want to lose because losing is yep. always the punishment. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I'm trying to secure my not last place. Yep. Because I'm not. But I propose the idea that I'm gonna have a fire sale, and whoever can drop the most bands on my players can have whoever <laughs> they want. And this is, people are not happy. People, people in my league are furious that I'm doing this. And I say, I'm in the business school. I'm putting this on my resume. Like I ran a fantasy football business. Like, yes. But, oh yeah. But Let the apparently, open the kids in my league are, apparently the kids in my league are poor. So I'm making zero money and just declining. <laughs> so many. I mean, it's an ethics thing where I'm on the other side. People, people don't like me right now, but oh. all right, I'll move on. I'll go my quote of the week. Uh, we're not an overtly political podcast in any in any spectrum of it, but recently, if anyone has watched the election, you you've learned about the chart throbs. You know the John King, the Marco Owowski, or whatever that guy's name is, where they work that map like nobody's business. You know. Yeah. And my quote of the week is: If we look down at Maricopa County, because I have heard that at least a hundred times. I mean, that's something that's been that's been ever present in this last week, and. I'm pretty stoked that it looks like we're over with it, you know. Um, mm. But John King, you know, that guy knows how to work a map. I got a lot of respect for a guy that can work a map. So pretty stoked about that overall. That's my quote of the week. Good stuff, man. All right, like, so for my quote of the week, um, 
it also kind of back to election was me and uh, a bunch of guys were watching election together. And um, we got on the topic of like funny movies, like funniest movie you've seen. And like a couple of us were like, like the first Borat was funny, super bad. Um, I don't know, a couple others. And then, I mean, to, to take a crap on Cole Sheridan again, he's in the corner of the room. And me and my other roommate are talking and we hear come out of his mouth. Have you, have you guys ever seen Grown Ups? <laughs> it was nice. It, it was just like, that's T-ball. Like, it, it's a very funny movie. Like, don't get me wrong. It's funny. But it was really, really funny when I was in fifth grade and my parents didn't want me to watch it. Like, that's mm-hmm. when it was at its peak funniest. But yep. that, that's my quote of the week was just, have you guys ever uh, seen um, Grown Ups? Well, let's do it. I mean, this is a hodgepodge of an episode so far, but I mean, what what do you think the funniest movie is? I have an answer. I I watched I watched Borat. I I watched the pay per view, the first one, this summer, and I I don't know if I've laughed harder at like the stupidest stupidest skits. Yeah. But like, I would, and then up there, honestly, is like probably Superbad. I think those could be top two. Superbad oh, is Superbad. I've, is... I've seen it once. I've seen both those once, and like they rocked my world. Like, I don't look at the world the same way anymore. Super bad. Just Seth Rogen and Bill Hader as the cops. Yes, as the cops. Yes. Some of the best stuff ever. Yeah. Davis, what about you? What do you think the funniest movie of all time is? All right. So we got a couple different, like, types of movies. But I truly <laughs> think Wedding Crashes is a classic. That, that's a very funny movie. Vince Vaughn yeah. and Owen Wilson at their finest. I, I'm an avid golfer. I love golf. And I think Happy Gilmore is absolutely hilarious. Adam Sandler's great, and honestly, if I could have Shooter McGavin's thing, I'd be a happy man. So I think that's a pretty funny movie. But what's your What's your take on Caddyshack? It's I, I don't I got nothing against it. I think it's funny. It's good. I like I think Happy Gilmore's better. It's not as fun. It's not as funny. Yeah, yeah it's more I like a story, or I guess they're both pretty good storylines, but yeah. yeah, it's not as funny as Happy. Yeah, I would agree. But I guess just in wrapping up too, I think Semi Pro is a pretty funny movie. Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. that, that that was hilarious. I mean, fourth place for Flint Tropics <laughs> never let you down. That yeah, I mean, that, no doubt about it. That's the second time I know Semi Pro has been brought up on the pod, um, <laughs> and it's a great movie. I'll go Will Ferrell. I think Will Ferrell is just up there in terms of the funniest guys in movies ever. I'm gonna go with Step Brothers. Nice, the best, yeah, the funniest movie. That was funny. Time. I've also only seen that once, and it's so funny. Uh, what's our last segment that we had planned here? Uh, oh yeah, what's your fun fact, Davis? That's my question for you. you got any fun facts about yourself? A fun fact about me? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Um, dang. Um, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot here. It's like the first day of school. Yeah, no, seriously. It's funny because everybody always struggles for like that icebreaker question, you know, that's gonna make everybody ooh and ah and things like that. Yeah, but you gotta get off to the right foot. Yeah, so I would completely agree. So this is kind of a, a bit of a two things tied together into one, maybe. But a fun fact about me, my grandfather, he's passed away now. His name, Orv Kelly was his name. He um, he grew up in, in Fargo, and he taught high school at the Catholic school in Fargo called Shanley High School. And while he was going to school and then teaching at the school, his best friend growing up was none other than Roger Maris, Yankees Hall of Famer. Go! Yeah, yeah, he was best friends with my grandpa, right? And every year since Roger has passed away, there's been a Roger Maris Invitational Golf Tournament at Oxbow, which is actually where the Olsen boys play golf. Okay. So a little small town right outside of Fargo, right? And when I was super young, maybe three, four years old, 
I, uh, I went out to this golf tournament with my mom and my dad, obviously they were very involved with just my grandpa's life and they both knew Roger. And I, one year they had NBC come out and do some like coverage of this and they made like a national news story out of it. And Bob Costas came to town and did the interview and did the reporting. And I've got lots of pictures with little two to three year old Davis and Bob Costas. So I guess my, my fun fact, I guess, is I guess my, my career with getting interviewed started early and I guess twofold. <laughs> my grandpa and Roger were just good buds. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a good story. Dude, that is, that is one of the better fun facts I've heard. I mean, Bob yeah. Costas out of legendary interviewers is pretty but high up there. That compared to what Tiger and I had to go through second semester last year, where we pulled up to our, our maybe my first and only, I don't know if Tiger's going to take any more, but education class. Yeah. My and only. We had, yeah, same here. <laughs> we had to do a fun fact as, and an action, a fun fact and an action as 19 year olds. Yeah. Um, and, and they couldn't be regular. Like they had to be something weird. So, like, mine was, I know how to tell when pasta's done really well. <laughs> what? I, I don't even know. What you're Just is. perfect, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, you bite it until there's any whites on the inside. That's not important. <laughs> it's never been important. I mean, yeah, it, that that was a little bit different. We definitely went through like a kindergarten you, level you class. Can tell it was a it was um uh, <laughs> uh, elementary education class. Yeah, yeah, the elementary education was being shown in the projects <laughs> that <laughs> we the did. First oh. day of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like four <laughs> corners too. Like I don't know. That's too good. Yeah, Blake, what's your fun fact? You got one? Other than uh, you're great at pasta. Other than not that one. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Well, I mean, honestly, my best fact, it's like I, I get made fun of when I say it. But like, um, <laughs> I was supposed to be a girl, I guess. Dude, same. Uh, no way. <laughs> I was born um, all the way until they, like, cut me out of my – until I got C-sectioned was um, Blake's – or Blake's going to be named Lily. And uh, so I came out, and I was a Blake – apparently whatever i don't know how they make the distinction but um yeah my mom always tells me oh i knew blake i knew shut up mom no blake if if it makes you feel any better i was supposed to be a sydney that was if i was like a sydney i was gonna be a girl i would have been a sydney and to be honest being a dude sydney i mean it's worked out well for sydney crosby i couldn't complain yeah yeah, i mean got an okay ring to it so i i guess i had i had good options either way Oh, Sydney Sunderland sounds great. You want to hear a, a tragic story? Um, <laughs> if my if my brother, if my older brother was a girl, my parents were dead set on naming her Callie. Callie Callahan. Oh. Just, not, just disgusting. Oh, oh no. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tough. You're making a statement with that, I'll tell you that. I much. gotta say, on a list of top 10 things you hate to see, that's at least number four. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, tough. Yeah, great. <laughs> Callahan. I mean, I don't know where to go with that. An alliteration? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My fun fact, I mean, I'll I'll try to spice it up if I'm in a class, you know, Uh, do something present. Normally, I like something daily event, you know, something that happened to me, give it right there, tell a little bit about myself. Uh, But for the podcast, what I'll break out is that uh, on previous podcasts recently, uh, some of the listeners have enjoyed my previous running stories. So I'll give a quick one. <laughs> nice. The fact that in back-to-back years, junior and senior year, 
I came in last place in conferences for the two mile. But the fun fact about that is that <laughs> I was still I was still the eighth best two mile runner in the conference. I mean, like I still gave an eighth <laughs> place. <laughs> like, yeah, was I last? Sure, only if you went to the meet. Other than that, out of the out of the it, there were teams that didn't even run two milers, so I yeah. beat all of them. Yeah, I was number eight in the conference. And then senior year, I, I was number 10. But, <laughs> I mean, still back-to-back top 10 two-miler in the conference. So oh. I can't be upset about it. No, you cannot. Bettendorf, man. Oh, they, they know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, door. And, the, dude, door. The, the thing that sucks is that, like, senior year conferences, I really didn't want to run. And, well, I did not want to run. But I was like, I would have been content if my season were over in my uh, running career or finished right there. Uh, but my coach was like, hey, man, we're going to give you one last chance in front of the hometown crowd. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, no. I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity, but we've done a pretty nice job of, like, creating this notion that I'm a decent runner. Like, let's <laughs> let's keep that rolling. But my, like, um... hey, hey, you're going to get to run this race. I'm going to have you get lapped by the best two miles in the conference in front of the hometown crowd. My, uh, my, to add on to that, my two miler, um, at our district meet my senior year, he was a, like the starting two miler. He was going to run it. He opted out and instead went on the senior trip because he didn't want to run the two mile at district. <laughs> he went on the senior trip instead. Dude, it's tough. It's tough. I swear. Like, I'm not even joking. I think, I think the track team did a pretty nice job of like creating this notion that I was a good runner. So for the first meet I ever ran at home, I don't know what people thought. <laughs> this kid got hurt, you know. Tiger kid, I thought I thought Tiger was good. Thought he was a decent runner. Clearly, yeah, I already top ten. Yeah, top ten, top, top eight. 10. I was reigning, yeah, reigning eighth place in the conference. Uh, and a half technically, technically, they didn't even have a, a conference last year. I'm still the I'm still the reigning top ten of the conference. <laughs> From a technical perspective, yeah. Until someone takes me down. I'm on an extended podium. That's yeah, pretty big. Wow. There's something there. Yeah, there is. Here, we'll wrap up here. I want to talk Masters. Masters is coming up this week. Davis, you're big into golfing. Uh, who, who do you got winning it? Dude, Tiger, yes. I, I'm very, very excited for the Masters. And I'm actually really just excited about golf. I mean, over this past summer, not even exaggerating. I probably played close to a hundred rounds. I mean, I'm yeah. no, 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 you, you did. I saw that on the marble wars thing. On yeah. your profile, it's, it has played close to a hundred rounds this summer. Dude, it was unbelievable. And of course school getting done a month and a half earlier, not quite getting done, but going online that helps with that. But just, just a total, a passion, a love of mine that I've been just infatuated with for the longest time. And it's something so cool. I mean, just to see what's happened in the sport this season, with everybody going into social distance and with so many things getting canceled, golf is one thing that, I mean, the foot traffic in golf has picked up a hundredfold. There are people golfing that have never golfed before. There are so many people interested in it that have never done it I hear. before. I hear. It's unbelievable. I mean, all the golf companies are posting record highs in sales and viewership. It, it truly is remarkable. And the Masters is a very special time too. I mean, obviously it's usually the first Sunday, the first Sunday of a full week in April. So it's a little bit different. But even despite all the changes, it's it's a little bit of normalcy in an otherwise unnormal life. And just the season that we're in right now, it's something that people can look to as just something to get excited about, something to be be passionate about. I mean, it's typically a little bit of normalcy. Normalcy. Yeah. 
Move, yeah, really. And it, it's something to watch with your family. I mean, I know I always love watching it with my dad whenever I can. It's just, it's a great event. And for lack of a better term, it truly is a tradition unlike any other. I mean, yeah, I, get, this, I get the Master Sunday on my birthday this year. <sighs> Dude, so, happy I mean, birthday. That is very exciting. It's be electric. But Tiger, to answer your question, yeah, I think I, I I think anybody would be crazy to think that Dustin Johnson isn't probably poised to win it right now. I mean, okay. the only time in the last I want to say two and a half months that he hasn't finished top ten is there were two weeks, and both weeks he was ineligible to play because he had COVID. He's as hot as they come right now. He forever has had just this stigma of Dustin can't finish. He'll get through three rounds and then choke on Sunday, but. He has more than exercised those demons. I mean, he won the Northern Trust by 11 strokes just a couple months ago. PGA Championship, or not, excuse me, not the PGA Championship. He won the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup, and he's he's looking great. His practice round, I, I watched some footage from him today, watched his interviews. He looks great. It's going to be fun to see him compete. I want to say he tees off with, um, I think he's playing in a group with Rory McIlroy and Patrick Cantlay tomorrow going off around – 11 15 i want to say and that's going to be a fun fun group of some yeah. good young players yeah i mean and even if he does doesn't get the championship how can you lose with mrs wayne gretzky johnson by your side i mean oh i mean how could you lose possibly <laughs> i don't think you can i don't think you can oh yeah it's, it's gonna be a fun weekend i'm excited too because i don't know how closely you guys follow it but or if you know the name bryson DeChambeau, but he's He's revolutionizing the game right now by transforming mm-hmm. quite literally he's booming like, drives, right? He's, he's booming drives. Yeah. He's transforming the game with the way he swings. And he's the first golfer in history to put his body on the line and kind of sacrifice himself for the sport. So just to explain what that means when COVID came around, obviously the PGA went on suspension and there was nothing really happening for a while. So there was about two and a half months of nothing. Well, Bryson took that time and a little time before he put on 40 pounds in little over two months, he's lifting weights a couple hours a day. I think a lot of people did that with COVID, though. I mean, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, he's drinking six protein shakes a day, and he he beefed up. I mean, he quite literally now is beefy Bryson, and he's carrying the ball on some of these drives, 380 and 400 yards. It's unbelievable. And at a course like Augusta, which is certainly not a very long course compared to some others, I mean, they'll they'll stretch it out as much as they can this weekend, but – it's going to be interesting to see if that is a net positive for him because you can have as great a drives distance wise. I mean, you can have just these bombs at some of these courses and get a huge advantage, but Augusta is a very tight, very particular course with a lot of these pines and a lot of these um, little hazards that you have to be very specific with, with your wedge shots. So I'm curious to see if that's going to translate to a victory for him. I, I personally don't think so. But nonetheless, he'll be very fun to watch, very fun to follow throughout the weekend. So it, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll definitely tune in. After just hearing this feel, I, I kind of have to turn in. Sounds electric. Yeah, do you think here, – here's a question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with you talking about how he transformed his body and he put on 40 pounds of muscle and all that, do you think that's the future of the sport of golf? Like it's going gonna, it's gonna to trend towards more athletes being in it? Or do you think you could still have a John Daly in there? That's an excellent question. And it's funny you mentioned John Daly because he's another example of somebody who, I mean, from a a biological standpoint, may have been ahead of his time in the way that he was bigger than all the guys on the tour. He was hitting the ball super far. I mean, he was just swinging like a lion and he was getting just these great benefits from it. Right. But he never had the the attention to detail, if you will, or the short game just to make it happen and to pull it all together in the way that Bryson is doing right now. And And I mean, one of the things that him and uh, 
Mr. Johnson have in common is their uh, cocaine addiction. I mean, it's electric. <laughs> it's two peas in a pod. But they've beaten it, and that's all that matters. Oh, yeah, truly. I'm going to cut that. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't think that is where the game is headed. And I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of these guys beefing up like Bryson. However, I will say that the Bryson experiment is still happening. He won his very first major just a couple months ago at the PGA Championship. Or, excuse me, it wasn't the PGA Championship. It was the U.S. Open. And he won the U.S. Open. He was the first guy. He won it by six strokes, I want to say. And he's the first guy to kind of go through this bodily transformation to come back and have this kind of success. So the Masters, I guess, now at Augusta starting tomorrow already is his second test. And who knows? Maybe if Bryson just starts winning all these meets, winning all these majors back to back to back, you might see a couple guys try and go after him like that. But there are other ways to do it, too. I mean, you see some of the short game players who just had the best sand shots. The best. Did you see, that, did you see that, uh, that hole in one yesterday? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was insane. It was like the Zach Johnson putt. Yeah. Oh, it was unbe- it was unbelievable. I mean, John- it doesn't make sense. That stuff doesn't make sense. John Rahm's another guy, too, who could just easily run away with it this weekend. I mean, he's been playing well. He has had a great year. Um, I think he's favored. I think it's 10 to 1 odds for Rahm to win it. DeChambeau, I want to say, is 15 to 2, and DJ maybe 17 to 2. So they're all pretty close. But yeah, Rahm's shot yesterday. I mean, that's incredible. The, the du- triple skip off the, off the pond and yeah, yeah. just snaking into the hole. Unbelievable. So, so would you, do you think it's one of those situations where it's like, make baseball fun again like bat flips stuff like that like that type of revolutionizing the game or it's just like it's more just a fad thing where it's like it could stick it could not i would say it's more of a fad thing however i definitely don't think it's hurting the game to see mm. some of these kind of bigger build guys these more it's not like an old heads are mad type thing. no oh no i i don't think so personally but again the bryson experiment's still going on so i guess yeah. we're gonna see where you it goes until it's over I had met, made a joke earlier about fantasy football ethics. Well, if you want to just briefly open up the golf ethics conversation, I mean, now there are people talking about, well, if everybody's just going to beef up, does that mean we have to make the courses longer or the equipment worse? Or how do we change the game yeah. in order to accommodate for this this change in the players, right? And I personally don't think you need to change it. I think the courses mm-hmm. are the most historic. I mean, that's the part that for yeah, sure. Yeah, why, why would you? That's no. the thing. It's like, no, those stay for sure. And even the equipment, I mean, just because guys are getting better doesn't mean that the game should be changing. I mean, somebody yeah, why would you, why would you put restrictions on professional golf and then somebody could just go out on the course with their buddies on a Sunday and have a better club. That's the thing. Yeah. I, have a, I have another question for you. And this is from just a golf historical perspective. You yeah, look at like the 1960s basketball, the people that Wilt Chamberlain played, you're like, Oh, those guys are like <laughs> the uh, milkmen. Yeah. These are milkmen and like uh, janitors and stuff. Oh, yeah. In, in terms of golf, if we look at the historic players who were great back then, would they yeah. still be any good now? Or, like, how is the game transformed? So that's a good question. And I think you'd still see a lot of these guys that can be competitive with some of these younger guys who might be kind of on the cutting edge or the forefront of changing the game now. Obviously, equipment has improved significantly, yeah. significantly. They were, playing, they were playing with two-by-fours back then. Yeah, they were. I mean, really, like, if you look back at the footage, some even the old Ben Hogan, Horton Smith stuff, I mean – to some extent, too, even like the Sam Sneeds of the world back in the 50s and when Palmer, Nicholas Player, those guys were just getting going. I mean, the, if they were hitting the clubs that we're hitting today, their scores would be so much better. I, yeah, I have no true. doubt in that whatsoever. And even still, their scores weren't that much different. I mean, I want to say that the lowest score at the Masters, oh, gosh, I, I know, I think Spieth had said it, 
back in 2015 when he won it. And I want to say he shot a 270, maybe a 270 flat. And that, that was a great score. I mean, that was unbelievable. I think that was 18 under. But you could see guys back, like I mentioned, Ben Hogan is one. I mean, you could easily see guys like that doing that today if they had that kind of equipment. And so – Yeah, I, and I think one thing that is overlooked with golf, because it, it is a different sport than any other sport. It's, it's mm-hmm. less motor and more, like, technique and precision and yep. stuff. Like, Absolutely. Nutrition still makes such a big thing. And that's, that's always, like, the breaking point from, like, football players now and football players then, basketball now, basketball then. Like mm-hmm. weightlifting shows, like Dustin Johnson and yep. uh, Brooks Kepka yep. are like McElroy, on plans. Yeah, yeah, they're on plans that make them so much better. Like, oh, that's just another thing where, if uh, um, those guys had it back then, it would also be another thing that would just boost their game. Mm-hmm. Truly, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think Davis, we're going to wrap up here. I don't know how long we've been going. It's been a little bit though. Uh, one thing that we've done a couple times, we did with Stamper. Do you have any last advice for people who might listen to the podcast, any sophomores, any freshmen out there uh, that go to Creighton, something that they can do to maximize themselves? Really look into the look into the camera, finish out this podcast for us with some inspiration. Yeah. Um, dang. Yeah, Tiger, that's a great question. Um, best advice that I can give, I think, is keep a long-term perspective. Keep an eternal perspective. I mean, so many times, especially in our culture today, like you see these people getting caught up in the short-term highs, the – I feel like my life's going to end because I did poorly on this test or I didn't get this internship or so many different things like that. And the fact of the matter is the sun's going to rise tomorrow. So you just need to remember that and you need to go easy on yourself sometimes and just continue to get back up on the horse after you get bucked off. And just, again, remind yourself that, you know what, there's going to be a tomorrow. Just keep a positive attitude, keep that work ethic, keep grinding and good things will come. And there's definitely a lot to be said about delaying gratification for the long term and being able to look back whenever you're sitting in that rocking chair in the sunset and say, you know what? I really am happy that I did because the benefits will be tenfold from what you think they will be now. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Davis. It was phenomenal okay, having you on. Uh, yeah. you, you brought a lot of different perspectives. You brought that golf perspective. We brought it all the way back through sports, academics, a little bit it, of inspiration. It's good how our uh, podcast is not, uh, is not a, in any category, but it's a sports podcast. I love it. It always comes back to it. And I love it. I mean, that's what, that's what we love to talk about. Like Tiger, both you guys, like, thank you so much. Like this this is a blessing for me. I'm so just thrilled to have this opportunity to be able to talk with you guys. I appreciate you taking the time for me.